states like these and their terrorist allies constitute an axis of evil. Not merely peace in our time, but peace in all time. Continued cooperation for world peace. All those who have fought against oppression. This country deserves a break from politics and a permanent break. Talking about Uh, my first question, who are you? Uh, my name is Maria Tomak, um, and I'm representing one of the state institutions in Ukraine. It is called the Mission of the President of Ukraine in the Autonomous Republic of Crimea. Uh, and I'm specifically dealing with Crimea platform issue. I'm the head of the Crimea platform department within the mission. And I shifted to this position quite recently, uh, like two months ago. Uh, before that, I was um, a part of the civil society. I was uh, a co-founder of Media Initiative for Human Rights. It's an NGO that was launched in 2016, and we were dealing with the issue of um, uh, human rights abuses within the Russian aggression that took place in Ukraine since 2014. Uh, how would you describe the current humanitarian situation in Ukraine as a result of Russia's invasion? I would say that humanitarian situation is uh, complicated, especially in some particular regions of Ukraine. Uh, I mean, northern part of Ukraine and southern part of Ukraine, where you have the most extensive uh, offense uh, or attack of the Russian Federation, Russian army. Um, and uh, I mean, it's really complicated like to give to provide like very accurate estimation since the situation changes all the time and we can see new new dramatic developments all the time um, I would say that uh, the most maybe important topic that uh, should be covered or like highlighted now at the international level it's the issue of humanity of launching establishing humanitarian corridors from from and to those uh, cities, uh, small villages, those towns and small villages that were captured by the Russian army. Um, especially, I mean, first of all, in southern and northern regions of Ukraine, I mean, Kherson region and uh, Kyiv region and uh, Chernihiv region. Because people, civilian population that stays in those uh, small towns and villages, um, as far as the information that we get, we understand that they are um, in awful conditions, uh, that Russian army behaves uh, very brutally. Uh, so they are committing killings of the civil population. Of course, it's very now hard, to, uh, it's very complicated now to prove somehow or to bring any particular figures uh, and the scales of that, uh, of that, um, of that um, crimes. But still that the information that we get from these uh, small towns and villages. So there are killings, uh, they, so they destroy the local infrastructure, which is vital for the population, like water communications and uh, energy supplies and so on. Also, they use uh, people as um, human shields, and they do it all the time from the very beginning of this uh, escalation of the, of the war. 
Um, and uh, other, like today, we, uh, like our colleagues from NGO sector, they published, uh, they received this information and they published it that uh, there's um, the human, uh, inhuman and degrading treatment towards the civil population where Russian army representatives, they're kind of uh, taking, uh, they take the man from the families and they, um, uh, kind of try to look some for Nazi symbols on the bodies of the men. I mean, it's like insane. And it's it's really hard. I mean, I understand that we need to kind of provide some very proved and concrete information, but it's really hard. The, the, what is like, the, the fact is that situation in those uh, territories is really harsh. It's like uh, Nova Kachovka, which is in Kherson region. Kherson itself is... Uh, to the big extent under the control of the Russian army. Uh, in the northern part, it's like Bucha, Irpin, which are nearby Kyiv, Chernihiv itself, and so on. So, and we can see that um, some cities, again, like Chernihiv yesterday and Kherson, uh, or uh, Kharkiv the day before yesterday and yesterday as well, they were shelled heavily by the Russian artillery, rockets, missiles. Uh, and it's it it comes uh, not only uh, it's not only when it comes to some like military objects, uh, but civilian infrastructure and the downtown of this cities was uh, really hit hard by the by the Russian artillery. Uh, and uh, I would like to separately highlight uh, this issue of capturing the. Um, um, power plants, the atom uh, uh, where there's like like the the nuclear power plants, right? So this night we had like for the whole night we had these messages, and our president was communicating all the time with uh, world leaders uh, leaders regarding the um, uh, threats for the nuclear. Um, some nuclear disaster even maybe uh, because of the um, fire on Zaporizhia uh, power plant, which is the biggest in, in, in Europe. And uh, of course, it's a, it's, a, it's a danger, huge danger, as well as with Chernobyl, which is uh, sadly famous, uh, ill-known Ill uh, in the international community. And now it's again under the threat of another nuclear disaster. So I would say that it's a separate uh, chapter which requires international attention. And and if this uh, aggression by Russia is is continued and is allowed to continue, uh, what is your biggest concern when it comes to the impact of, on human rights uh, and the human rights of the Ukrainian people? I think that the biggest concern, and it's not a, an exaggeration, and it's something that is stated by by um, like many representatives of the international community, is of course the possible use of uh, nuclear weapon by uh, Putin and his allies. And it is something that they have announced already. Uh, so I think that's the threat, not only for Ukraine, but uh, for, for much broader number of countries and societies. So, and uh, after all what Putin is committing on the Ukrainian territory, there is little doubt that he can afford to use the nuclear weapon unless uh, there will be even more harsh uh, attempts to stop this, uh, all these um, activities of the Russian Federation. I mean, to close the sky over Ukraine. Um, I do realize that this demand is perceived like, like too much 
uh, on behalf of NATO, and they think that that would drag them into, into this war. But um, actually, we see that, yes, uh, Russian economy suffers a lot from the sanctions that were imposed uh, within the previous like one week. Uh, but still, it's not enough as they are continuing and do, do it even more harsh. They are attacking civilian objects. They are shelling the schools, the hospitals. And, you know, I mean, I cannot see any arguments that they might do it within the international humanitarian, humanitarian law. I mean, that uh, I, I, I do realize that it's um, tactics of uh, threatening of terror of Ukrainians and the whole world. So they do it deliberately. Uh, it's not, they don't try to shoot the military objects that they deliberately shoot the civilian objects and like critical infrastructure and humanitarian infrastructure like kindergarten school, uh, schools uh, and uh, hospitals. And it's all over the place. It's not like one minor case. It's like everywhere. And there's a lot of uh, stuff like that. So I think that this very attitude is really like a threat. And also, if you look at the speeches, if you listen to speeches of Putin and read what he writes, we can see that uh, uh, the, um, the, the aims of Russian federations, they go beyond even Ukraine. So they indeed try to restore the Russian empire. And at least uh, countries like Poland, like uh, Baltic states, at least are under the threat. Uh, like Finland, I think, and Moldova, and so on and so forth. So uh, we should we shouldn't have an illusion that Putin uh, is going to stop somewhere like on Ukrainian borders or even on Dnipro River. And also, I would like to specifically highlight as we monitor, um, in particular, a situation in Crimea that there we can see like uh, that this territory which is occupied by Russia uh, was occupied eight years ago. Uh, it's specifically affected by this new stage of the war. So those people, uh, those Ukrainian citizens uh, that were in the occupation and that were in despite, like in, in contra contrary to the international law, they were conscripted to the Russian army. They now being sent uh, to wage a war, to participate in the war against their own country. And uh, there are people, prisoners of war who were captured by Ukrainian army, there are Crimean residents among them, and we can see even them being, being questioned uh, on the video, so it's like, it's a fact. And also we can see that uh, we, as, as we get some of, the some of the information from the field from inside Crimea, that all the hospitals in the northern part of Crimea are just fully packed with the wounded uh, soldiers of the Russian army. And also even not only in the northern part of Crimea, but even in Simferopol, which is not uh, so close to the mainland Ukraine, even there some of the hospitals like hospital number six is uh, fully uh, uh, like dedicated to, to the healing of the wounded uh, soldiers, Russian soldiers. Um, and of course, the propaganda has become much more harsh. And when it comes in general to the discussing of the 
um, of the war which is waged by Russia and probable in future, I would say, um, uh, responsibility for, for these crimes. We need to take into consideration, of course, the propaganda, manipulation, disinformation, and all that kind of stuff, because it's, it's a huge it's a huge part of this war. So now uh, they kind of try to impose some new tools. Uh, for instance, they launched the patriotic, so-called patriotic uh, lessons uh, or hours within the even school education, uh, where they try to justify the current Russian aggressive war against Ukraine by claiming that this is like, again, a special operation against Nazis in Ukraine and so on and so forth. So children are also affected in uh, Crimea. And again, it's not something completely new because they were brainwashed for the previous eight years, but now it became even more harsh, like they did. Uh, like explaining them that Russia is doing like great proper thing by, by killing, uh, like uh, shooting Ukrainian citizens, killing people in Ukraine. And of course, uh, uh, as I mean, as it was uh, known even before this new level of escalation, but now um, Russia was turning Crimea into a military base. We all know that. And it was like highlighted in the UNJ resolutions, uh, etc. And of course, now they use it like very directly as one of the, um, so to say, points for launching the military attacks uh, by weapons and aircrafts are being launched from the territory of uh, occupied Crimea in order to attack Ukraine. And my final question is, um, we, uh, other countries in Europe and around the world, feel a great deal of solidarity uh, with the Ukrainian people. Uh, what more support can we give to you in your struggle right now for, for your freedom, your democracy, and, and for human rights? Um, as I said previously, I think that we all have to need to demand to close the sky over Ukraine. Uh, some might think that we ask too much, but uh, then when it comes to, when you see those pictures and realize that 21 children were killed uh, within these days and uh, more than 300 of civilians in general, uh, and lots of infrastructure has been destroyed and all this captured nuclear power plants and so on. So it doesn't seem like too much. So that's the, I would say the demand number one now for Ukraine, for all of the governmental structures, as well as civil society and society in general. But then of course, to impose more more sanctions and restrictions on Russia, we can see that uh, again, that uh, Russian economy is uh, uh, affected now by those sanctions. Uh, and even at the personal level, Russian oligarchs and those who are close allies of Putin, they are being uh, affected uh, because their property is uh, kind of uh, under, uh, under the restrictions and like their yachts and so on. But, but we need more because unfortunately that's, I think that the most, the, the, this most sad story in all this, uh, uh, in all this war is the reaction of the Russian population. Because as you might know, at least to, according to the information that is like in the open sources, the level of support of Putin has become even more high after the war started. It raised from 61% to 70%. 
And uh, just yesterday, I listened to the comments of the Russian poet uh, Dmitry Bykov, who was poisoned, uh, something similar to Navalny. Uh, fine, um, uh, fortunately, he survived. So he was explaining very like honestly that lots of people in Russia, they do support this war. So I think that that's a huge humanitarian like drama and huge question for the whole civilized world is what to do. Even, I mean, okay, let's imagine that tomorrow Putin will be killed or something will, would happen. What's, what happens next with those people who are totally brainwashed, who are kind of uh, obsessed with this imperial um, thinking? What happens next and who is going to be the next leader and what he's going to do and whether he's going to do something other that Putin is doing. And I think that we're not secured uh, from the any like even worse scenarios here. So that's the huge issue. What should we do with Russia? And he, here is a huge question mark. It's not only about Putin, unfortunately. So I think that so we should start the debate over this issue what we should do with all that, uh, with the Russian society, how the international community should work with that. Uh, and of course, what we also need, and we, we indeed, we, we have a great support from the international community. And believe me, we appreciate that so much that we get so much support, like political support, military support, um, humanitarian support, and just the, like the words that we get even in our private messages that inspires us a lot and Ukraine stands and it will keep resist. And I can see that society is really very much keen on um, protecting our, our country. But of course, we at least we don't, we should not forget about all of the stuff that is going on in Ukraine and this military aggression, because we all know that we live in a very, uh, that wor world that is very much uh, overwhelmed with various like information and various uh, um, uh, armed conflicts and maybe other events that might like draw attention to other stuff. So I really, my biggest concern is that um, after some time, uh, if Ukraine will not be able to overcome very fast this attack, uh, world will just get used to, to the war in Ukraine <clears throat> and it will be just another like a line in the end of the uh, in some news uh, programs and, and so on. So we just need to focus our attention and just like keep on doing everything to stop Russia from doing what Putin is doing and also to bring to responsibility the war criminals uh, that are like committing now war crimes and crimes against humanity in Ukraine. Um, and I know that indeed here international community is very supportive of Ukraine and we see that international criminal court for instance immediately reacted. Uh, and also European Court for Human Rights as well, he reacted after Ukraine applied. So, but of course, the question is whether even now the ICC is capable of um, of the swift uh, of the of the um, uh, like very quick and uh, proper reaction towards all that. And maybe you know that there is currently a debate on whether we should establish a tribunal, special tribunal over Putin and his kind of uh, allies. 
um, I mean, it's something that is being debated, but I think that it's high, it's high time now to document all these crimes and Ukraine is doing that. We have NGOs and state institutions that are engaged in that work and they, and they know how to do it because we've been doing that for previous eight years. So it's not something completely new to us. And the, I think that international community should be very strict on the issue of responsibility and um, establishing some uh, uh, some instruments uh, to to bring to responsibility Putin, because we all understand that anything that should go through or, or should be kind of launched or established by the uh, Security Council, UN Security Council will just not work as Russia and China are sitting there. So we need to look for the uh, some alternative solutions. And of course, we all hope that very soon we will see um, Putin behind the bars. Maria, thank you so much for taking the time for this interview and, and, and describing the human rights abuses that we are seeing as a result of this terrible illegal war that Russia is conducting against Ukraine. Uh, thank you very much. And again, uh, we are with you. We, we feel solidarity with you and, and the rest of the Ukrainian people. Thank you so much for that. And uh, hopefully uh, we can discuss very soon the outcomes of the trial or tribunal uh, upon Russian, Russian command.